Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here, and it's Sunday, so we are doing breaches of the week, and I swear, if we made this into a drinking game, we would all, all end up in the hospital here, but as always, I want to start by thanking the people that sent me a lot of this information, it always helps me out, and that would be Barrett Peterson, Jay Dance, Sander Sleidnerink, Alexander Howe, and Jacqueline Wolf. Thank you so very much, and if you have a tip for me, please send it along, and I'm happy to give you a shout out here, and also on my Nashville Syncated radio show, and with that, no time to lose, let's dive right in with Plex, the streaming platform used by millions of people because, quite frankly, it's very convenient. Now, in a recent email that they sent to their users, Plex said that an unnamed third party has breached its data. Quote, it does appear that a third party was able to access a limited subset of data that includes emails, usernames, and encrypted passwords. End quote. They wrote that in an email, as I mentioned. However, Plex is assuring you, fellow user, that no payment or credit card information was breached during that data breach incident. So there you go. Credit cards are safe. Usernames and passwords, and I hope they're good, were exposed. Moving on. <clears throat> Let's talk about Twilio. This one is actually uh, a big one that is affecting a lot of companies out there. And this is going to be concerning as we continue to watch this unfold. And obviously, I will keep you up to date on this one. But here's what's going on. Now, if you recall... In the last couple of weeks or so, uh, security provider Twilio revealed that it was breached by well-resourced fishers who used their access to steal data from 163 of Twilio's customers. Now, the security firm Group IB, meanwhile, said that the same fishers who hit Twilio have now breached at least 136 companies in similar advanced attacks. And so the companies that we are talking about that are disclosing now are, one, Authy, which is a product that is used by Twilio, but... Interestingly enough, only 93 individual accounts out of 75 million were actually hit from Authy. And so there you go. These were incredibly targeted to go after, I think, specific people and large organizations. So heads up to those 93 Authy users out of 75 million. Odds are, if you're watching this or listening to this, you're probably not affected, but you never know. Moving on. Let's talk about LastPass uh, because they also were there. The threat actor, quote, took portions of source code and some proprietary LastPass technical information, though no actual passwords in LastPass were breached. But if they've got the source code, they might be able to find vulnerabilities. And so LastPass, obviously on very high alert, looking for potential breaches in the future, sooner than later probably, of their software because their source code is now available to attackers. Another major group that was hit, also used by millions of people, is DoorDash. They basically said an undisclosed number of customers had their names, email addresses, delivery addresses, phone numbers, and partial payment card numbers stolen. So if you use DoorDash, heads up. On top of that, identity management provider Okta had to basically disclose and say a small number of, one, mobile phone users, and two, associated SMS messages containing one-time passwords or OTPs were accessible to the threat actor via the Twilio console. And so heads up, if you're pairing Okta with Twilio and you're using the SMS uh, side of the authentication, which obviously we never recommend. Also, Signal, the secure texting and messaging app, loved by all, myself included, 1900 Signal users' phone numbers were exposed. Fortunately, Signal basically collects almost zero information on you, minus, let's say, your phone number, because, well, they need your phone number to actually make the service work. And so your phone number, of if you're one of the 1900 out of the millions that you Signal, then uh, you may have been exposed as well. And the one company we know that wasn't hit as a result of using Twilio, and they used Twilio, is uh, basically a CDN or content delivery network and massive infrastructure provider Cloudflare. And the reason being is 
they use physical security keys like YubiKeys and FIDO2 authentication, which is one of the most secure ways to ensure multi-factor authentication for your life. So while authenticator apps are fine, they can be hit as we have just seen, uh, but but uh, basically physical security keys, much more difficult to hit. So heads up to you uh, in your multi-factor authentication needs. But those are the huge companies that were all affected this week, uh, just basically having to disclose as a result of Twilio. And that's kind of nuts. Moving on. Let's talk about Greece's natural gas supplier, uh, Desfa, D-E-S-F-A. And I actually find a little bit of the wording from this article, I presume from Greece, amusing. Now, they uh, unfortunately fell victim to a cyber attack, which is not amusing, on part of their infrastructure by cyber criminals who tried to gain access to their files with a confirmed impact on the availability of certain systems and possible leakage of a number of those files and data. Obviously, we don't know all of this yet. But interestingly enough, and this is according to the article, and I basically quote the article, Desfa said it had already informed all of the competent authorities and organizations, and they will continue to work closely with the Ministry of Digital Governance, Data Protection Authority, Electronic Crime Prosecution, the Hellenic Police, the General Staff of National Defense, and on and on and on. But I'm wondering, why wouldn't you contact the incompetent authorities? And who are the incompetent authorities in Greece? I'm assuming something was lost in translation from Greek to English there, but I did find that amusing. Personally, if I have a data breach, I would also like to contact the competent authorities. I just have to figure out which ones those are. Moving on, let's talk about, and I apologize, apologize, apologize to any of my French viewers or listeners, the Centre Hospitalier Sud Francilienne, or CHFS outside of Paris, France. Again, I apologize for butchering your wonderful language. Now, they unfortunately suffered a cyber attack last Sunday, which has resulted in the medical center referring patients to other establishments and postponing appointments for surgeries. Obviously, that is never a good thing when hospitals are hit. People can die as a result of ambulance diversion, especially if another hospital is much further away. Uh, this hospital happens to be 28 kilometers outside of the center of Paris, so they are servicing an area of 600,000. So going to the next possible hospital could mean life and death for somebody out there, which obviously is no laughing matter. Now, the hospital's administration has not provided further up updates yet. Their IT system outage apparently still plagues them. And so hopefully, and I will not just the hospital that I just mentioned in France that I butchered language wise, I hope they get back on their feet. Moving on. Let's talk about the New England Dermatology and Laser Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. This is what not to do if you have HIPAA compliance. Proper disposal of any form of patient information, whether electronic or paper, is the cornerstone of HIPAA and privacy rules. And so the practice of throwing out patients' empty specimen containers in a dumpster with all their labels on it has now cost New England Dermatology and Laser Center in Springfield, Massachusetts $300,640 in fines. There you go. So if you've ever had a blood drawn or, I don't know, the fat sucked out of you at the dermatology in New England Dermatology and Laser Center, they chucked it in a dumpster. And so other than Tyler Durden, you got to watch out for your privacy. Moving on. Let's talk about Block. This is the digital payment uh, that based system that was formerly known as Square. Most people know Square, at least here in the United States. They are facing allegations that they failed to take adequate measures to protect customers' personal information. A lawsuit filed this past Tuesday in a federal district in Oakland, California, on behalf of two users of Cash App, which is operated by Block subsidiary Cash App Investing, claims the company failed to implement reasonable security. Now, as a result, a former employee was able to download internal reports containing personal information after leaving the firm. If you recall, Block disclosed the December 10th, uh, 2021 data theft this year on April 4th and stated that 
it was contacting 8.2 million of its current uh, and former customers about the privacy, quote unquote, snafu. Now, the business said, quote, a former employee downloaded certain reports of its subsidiary Cash App Investing LLC that contained some U.S. customer information. So if you're in the United States and you use Cash App, you may eventually be entitled to some compensation. Moving on, let's talk about the U.K. architectural firm Shepard Robson. We don't have much, but earlier this month, they disclosed a ransomware attack and an extortion attempt, but did not provide details basically about who hacked their network or what went on. But we just got wind that their data has apparently been leaked. So if you have anything to do with Shepard Robson in the United Kingdom, heads up to you. Moving on, we also don't have much on multinational construction company Sando, but apparently the Hive ransomware game gang claimed last month to have attacked Sando, but only released a small archive of proof of the attack. So heads up to you. If you have anything to do with multinational construction company Sando, that's all I've got for you there. Moving on, let's talk about a free Chinese VPN app known as Airplane Accelerates. And this is interesting because on July 7th, a cyber news researcher discovered an open Elasticsearch database containing 626 gigabytes of VPN connection logs during a routine check, basically using OSINT or open source intelligence methods on this database. Now this amounted to a database containing Containing a staggering 5.7 billion entries, including user IDs, what IP addresses users were connecting to and from, domain names, and timestamps. So this is what you get for using free, especially out of China. Essentially, this Elasticsearch database could be sourced and looked at by the Chinese government. So if you're in China and you're using a free VPN, basically the Chinese government has access to and see this, you've definitely got to make sure you get what you pay for. Pay for those VPNs. There are good good VPN providers out there uh, that have things like zero logging and they are third-party confirmed. This obviously is very difficult because if you've got people in, let's say, oppressive companies that think they are being safe due to the VPN, but the VPN can simply be cracked and monitored, uh, this VPN happened to be using an HTTPS connection as opposed to something more aggressive, which means it can be essentially susceptible to what is known as an MITM or man-in-the-middle attack. That is a huge problem. So make sure, make sure, make sure you're paying for a good VPN. Uh, service, ideally in a company, uh, excuse me, a country that has excellent privacy laws where that VPN should be based, like Switzerland, for example. So with that, let's move on. But heads up, Airplane Accelerates Chinese VPN users. You got what you paid for. Moving on. And finally, for the record, we're going to be having a couple of finalists here. We need to start with NATO. And this is actually really interesting because this is an update on a previous uh, story I did for a past Breaches of the Week video slash podcast. Now, here's what's going on. NATO is assessing the impact of a data breach of classified military documents being sold by a hacking group online. Now, the data includes blueprints of weapons being used by NATO allies in the war in Ukraine. Now, the criminal hackers are selling the dossiers after uh, basically stealing data linked to a major European weapons maker. If you recall, I talked about MBDA missile systems, and they just admitted that basically their data was among this stash, but claimed that none of the classified files that were found in this stash for sale are actually theirs. Now, basically, MBDA, excuse me, is a pan-European company, which is headquartered in France, and they said that their information was hacked from a compromised external hard drive, and they added that it was cooperating with authorities in Italy where this actually took place. Now, it is understood that investigations are centered around one of MBDA's suppliers. Now, in a statement, a NATO spokesperson said, quote, 
We are accessing claims relating to data allegedly stolen from MBDA. We have no indication that any NATO network has been compromised, meaning NATO itself is apparently secure, according to them. This is looking solely like MBDA, who is kind of not backpedaling, but lightening the load, saying, well, it's not our classified information. So this is being investigated. Now, the cyber criminals operating on Russian and English forums are selling 80 gigabytes of this stolen data for 15 Bitcoin, which is a roughly 273,000 euros. And they claim to have sold the stash to at least one unknown buyer so far. And talk about the fallout and damage of, let's say, getting the advanced schematics of a missile system, uh, let's say, by the Russians who are currently invading Ukraine right now. Maybe they see how the Americans are doing it or how this French company is doing it and saying, oh, this is definitely improvement in our design. And they get to work improving their own missile systems and whatnot. We also got wind recently that Russia is going through a missile shortage right now, which obviously is a very good thing for the Ukrainians in that war. And so hopefully that keeps up. But if the next round of missiles they produce are better and copied off of this French missile, that might be a very serious problem. So we're going to see where this goes, but this has serious and lethal complications, uh, not just to the intelligence communities, but also to basically the civilians that are under siege right now in Ukraine. So that obviously is a huge thing. And finally, finally, we actually have to talk about a possible 2020 election day breach here in the United States. That's right. We've got to talk about this. And I'm going to preface this once again by saying I am not adjudicating, and I'm sure I'll say this again, I am not adjudicating the 2020 election. Whatever your thoughts on that politically, who you support or don't, love or hate, whatever, I couldn't care less. My point here is to focus on the data breach. And I know I will reiterate this for those people that caught the tail end of this for whatever reason. Now, here's what's going on. Paul Maggio, um, Paul Maggio, excuse me, he's an executive at a firm based in Atlanta called Sullivan Strickler. Now, they help organizations analyze and manage their data, and they are at the center of this possible data breach. Now, in the wake of the 2020 election and then President Trump's claims specifically about there being fraud in the state of Georgia, basically his advisor, President Trump's, then President Trump's advisor, Sidney Powell, hired Sullivan Stricker. Now, Sullivan Stricker was tasked with looking into voting systems in Georgia and other states. Now, apparently, though, this has caused a serious vulnerability in voting systems now because in a recorded phone call after looking at voting machines and coffee, Coffee County, Georgia, for the record, Coffee County, great name. Um, basically, after they were looking uh, basically through these voting machines in Coffee County, Georgia, with a person named Scott Hall. Scott Hall is an Atlanta area um, Trump supporter and bail, bail, bail bondsman who traveled to Coffee County on a chartered plane. He described what he and the group from Sullivan Stricker did there. And I quote Mr. Hall, we scanned every freaking ballot. Now, he also said that the team, uh, basically his team had the blessing of the local elections board and quote, scanned all the equipment, imaged all the hard drives and scanned every single ballot. End quote. Now, this week, this past week, court filings revealed that the Coffee County data breach is now part of this sprawling investigation into election interference that is being conducted by Fannie T. Willis. She's a district attorney of Fulton County, Georgia, which encompasses most of Atlanta. Now, once again, for the record, for the record, I am not adjudicating the 2020 election here or any any of these claims, I'm focused purely on the data breach side of things. Taking images of actual voting systems could give an attacker 
intimate knowledge of basically the baked in defenses into these voting machines and then build a workaround to hijack a machine and alter its code, meaning the upcoming 2022 or 2024 elections could have compromised voting machines that could give us a wrong tally due to intentional malfeasance. Now, if if there was a concern about the existing security of a voting machine in, let's say, Coffee County or anywhere else in the United States, the proper procedures need to be followed to ensure that we are basically ensuring the security of the uh, of the election systems there. Representatives, and here's what needs to happen, representatives from both political parties and federal and state law enforcement should be present uh, when these are examined. A forensic image, not a regular image, but a forensic image, meaning an, an, actu- an actual duplicate of the machine that cannot be altered, should have been taken by law enforcement, meaning law enforcement is in possession and basically starts the chain of custody for that. Now, independent cybersecurity researchers would gain access to the image, but not given a copy and observed by law enforcement as they worked, meaning essentially the researchers, let's say one of them is partisan or both are partisan or whatever, couldn't say like, aha, I'm going to take a copy of this and send it to President Trump or aha, I'm going to take a copy of this and send it to President Biden or whatever it is. This needs to be impartial. It needs to be controlled. Nobody should be able to make copies. Law enforcement should own this and witness this as basically that third party as the researchers go to work. The results then of that research could be shared among all parties. That would ensure that the security of voting machines was protected while they were being examined. Now, having a bail bondsman that publicly supported one candidate over another Basically being allowed to grab copies of this kind of data is horrifying to cybersecurity professionals all over the place. We have no chain of custody. God forbid he started handing those out or sharing those out to multiple people. And now we don't know who has this, who can see this. Is this being sold? Is this being traded? Is somebody developing, let's say, malware that specifically attacks this type of voting system? God forbid a foreign intelligence agency, uh, you know, hacks this guy and, and essentially gets access to this. This is why if we are going to have electronic voting machines, and for the record, I am not for computerized voting at all. I really think we should be using pen and paper. And overwhelmingly, most cybersecurity professionals, professionals knowing what we know, completely agree with that statement. We should be on pen and paper with receipts, all those kinds of things. I think it's the safest way to, to throw an election. But if we have voting machines, and again, this has been a adjudicated over and over and over with multiple agencies, including the former head of uh, um, CISA coming out, Chris Krebs, and saying, yeah, this was a totally clean election. We could find no machines that were hacked, anything like that, as they were doing their own investigations. This is obviously a huge thing. Again, I don't care and I don't want to see comments on, well, Trump won or well, Biden won or whatever. I don't care. This is a data breach. And, and if this is proven true, if this is actually what happened, and we've got re- recorded phone calls from this person, this partisan person saying, yeah, we got freaking everything, that is deeply concerning because it could potentially ruin the integrity of voting systems, not just in Coffee County, but any county that uses that type and model of voting machine or voting platform. So this is a huge problem, which is why I'm ending with that. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this person was either lying or that didn't happen, but we're going to see what happens. And obviously it's going to be adjudicated in court. So those are your breaches of the week. I think just everybody was affected. Thank you, Twilio, for that. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please attempt to stay private. Thanks, everyone.